part two chapter twelve of if all these young men by romer wilson this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part two london chapter twelve the antagonists as josephine toiled up the long flight of georgian stairs that led back to her flat she paused it was dark with the darkness of old houses warm mildewed and full of the odours of decay here autumn never gave way to spring and youth never supplanted age but conceded its youthfulness and became old josephine lingered a moment not so much in the body as in her whole life she arrested time and stood with it for a second as if with a dark angel and questioned it as persons in a melancholy state of mind sometimes do is my life over she said shall i go down the stairs again instead of up she knew if she went down again she would go placidly and throw herself into the river that grave of the unresourceful she had now no emotions and was no longer desperate nor was she tired of life sane persons conclude that only the mad rob themselves of life josephine knew of only two arguments against suicide altruism and enthusiasm for nothing at all like blanchard she had a glorious idea of to-morrow and though both of them had stepped up the days for over a quarter of a century they yet failed to realize that the similitude of the steps below them probably extended to those above i am always expecting the marvellous to happen and i am always enthusiastic for the future they had said to one another time ran her threads through them but neither of them was conscious of the moments of its passage neither of them was very interested in the past yet both their hearts were full of the excitement of presentiment and of a sense of imminent eldorados cataclysms of love and days of judgment occasionally both felt that the present was an annihilation of perception and they wished to jag the cord of time with their hand to produce consciousness to escape for a minute from the infinity in which they appeared to exist though they craved realization their craving only endowed them with hyperconsciousness of the body when they examined their distaste for life they found that they could trace it no deeper than to an aversion from physical ailments and a distaste for life's machinery which for them was typified in the recurring demands of the toilette yet each thought the other exempt from petty necessities and the home of ease and leisure she stood still upon the stairs in all probability for two seconds and then feeling a little surprised at her own apathy returned her life into the hands of fate and went upstairs susan appeared on the top landing and said with a look of anxiety upon her face and a little fear in her voice oh josephine i hope you do not mind it is such a beastly night we did not feel we could go out damnation replied josephine who resented her spoilt evening she knew exactly what it would be like neither blanchard nor herself had changed toward the other and yet she was half glad that the only creature from whom she had no reservations was going to be near her for a few hours she sighed and added well well can't be helped as she went into the bedroom susan came after her like a little frightened animal and putting out one small hand touched her and murmured josephine josephine it was dreadful we had a dreadful quarrel god what about about amaryllis oh god damn him for a fool she ejaculated and yet she thought what a fool he is to be upset by me she shrugged her shoulders sighed and said again curse him the war had intensified her sympathy for herself except at moments when she lost herself in sympathy for others but to-night she was apart from society very tired and conscious of her consciousness 
she perceived this to be the case and then blindness came down upon her and she lost herself in the moment i love him murmured susan yes i know but you are both of you split in two halves i wouldn't marry him if it made us too miserable i wish you did not hate him so my dear child you would marry him no matter said josephine and at the same time all susan's love for herself and for blanchard seemed to fill the room if i fell into the river josephine continued it would be better christ how he dislikes me he is jealous said susan we are all jealous josephine embraced susan and having given her personal appearance scanty attention went down into the sitting-room james blanchard was standing with his back to the fireplace reading the westminster gazette he held the newspaper up to his face and anybody could see that he was using it rather to screen himself from observation than for any other purpose he put down the paper when susan came into the room after her friend and with his habitual smile said good evening but his face was still very red and he kept biting his bottom lip good evening said josephine throwing herself into a chair and added oh dear the war nobody made any remark silence was the only tolerable condition for the evening and yet with the inability of humanity to keep their tongues still in company they all sought subjects of conversation at length in a dry voice josephine remarked lloyd george is swamped in the war yes blanchard agreed quite you are quite right i thought went on josephine he nearly came to grief last year thank heaven we have tided over the revolution do public men realize i wonder that we common people know their innermost thoughts england knows without doubt what he thinks in bed at night yes yes quite said blanchard sitting down upon the edge of a chair you know what clemenceau said to him in paris no it was like this you see you know the chamber of deputies their house of commons yes yes well lloyd george had just finished a conference on how many boys under eighteen could be safely hidden in the trenches nonsense cried susan who appeared now perfectly calm and happy though josephine knew she was in despair well it doesn't matter the legitimization of piccaninnies or well get on interrupted susan laughing seriously they had a conference on boloism or bolshevism or some poppycock which ended in the paris speech and as they were coming down the steps clemenceau said within earshot or bowshot of the daily rubbish which hears these things he that hath ears ejaculated susan with an animated laugh well get on yes quite and lloyd george l g laughed susan who was always unable to hold her peace when others were talking yes quite the tiger turns to the leek continued blanchard amiably and says you and i will meet perhaps one day when the drama of battle is over and we shall exclaim we lost or we won but neither of us cares la rose est fanée nonsense cried susan emphatically isn't it superb said blanchard appealing to his audience who made it up josephine asked endeavouring to assume interest she was not successful she said in a johnsonian manner lloyd george saved himself by the paris speech she had said it before the psychological experience of the crisis which he had then passed through fascinated her as nobody else was interested she rose sighed and said i think supper is ready let's have something to eat when they were seated at the table susan cried out food good there is nothing like food but the conversation fell dead until josephine remarked again in her most heavy tone i saw that the germans say we walk about trafalgar square with no clothes on we all wear too many clothes don't you think so josephine said blanchard as he began to eat ha <laughs> ha laughed susan you would look epic in a kiton 
what marvellous insincerity thought josephine for her to be able to joke with him or perhaps what marvellous sincerity like a master of melodrama she admired the master of good manners seriously though said blanchard using the beautiful voice that as a rule he hid under one of good fellowship don't you think the english people are afraid of the english body i am glad they are josephine replied and smiled in a kindly fashion upon him because he was ingenuous enough to make the remark with a white piquet slip inside his waistcoat it's all in a class with manners she went on you think i suppose with amaryllis that children should be allowed to grow up mannerless and rude but you dislike before anybody i know bad manners in people particularly in women oh james you hate unconventional folk i have got the conventional view about manners not that i practice it blanchard said quickly quite yes quite and then half passionately added men who have nothing to them can go to the wall if they are not worth while i am not prepared to accept them you cannot bear boors yes if a boor has anything to him he can get along without all this poppycock you don't think so no said josephine slowly looking at him with clear calm eyes he was getting angry and she wondered whether he was really feeling deeply upon the subject of talk or whether he was using it as a disguise for the real cause of an emotion he could not repress no she said again more slowly i don't quite he snapped and began to talk and eat more and more quickly i think it is like this i can forgive a man if he has anything to him if he has not i do not care what his manners are manners are only an extra burden upon the vileness of life life is vile don't you agree childhood is vile enough without having to learn manners don't you think so one's mother josephine looked at susan and said one's mother yes i have a weakness for mine not really answered blanchard one's mother i was going to say josephine does adore her mother it's quite true james interrupted susan quite well then he hurried on without listening one's mother has such an unfair advantage over one parents are the great disadvantage of our children one ought to be reared by the state josephine laughed because she knew blanchard's expressed opinions and his feelings were wide apart one would think she said you had no heart that's it quite right he said getting more heated i have no heart i have lost my illusions i have no heart that is what is the matter with me i am a brute in his vexation with his gallantry and chivalry for not having a life to offer susan expressed itself in this angry speech here the conversation paused and mr blanchard found himself struggling against josephine in his mind she had taken him unawares again penetrated his defences and forced him to recognise that she knew the exact truth of every word he spoke he thought why will this young woman never allow an artificial condition of mind to stand over life's circumstances susan said to herself oh dear i am sure he is under the thumb of amaryllis those are all her theories he used not to have them into josephine's mind came the words one has either to be very foxish or very noble i am neither and she was overcome with the desire to weep a wish which in those days frequently visited both men and women she rose and as they returned to the sitting-room said i am inclined to despise women yes i despise them too said blanchard and yet she continued when i come into contact with men i find my theories about them vanish i have never met a man yet i felt inferior to i have never found a woman i could respect he replied as he settled himself down in a chair before the fire 
and lighting his pipe he obscured his golden head in a trail of smoke that made josephine think of bonfires upon autumn evenings i have never found a woman he said in emphasis of his statement whom i thought clever and splendid at the same time oh cried susan and her whole enthusiasm for her convictions broke out in her exclamation really james what nonsense it's true he said i never met a woman who behaved in a crisis in a way that made one respect her and was both good clever and remarkable i have said josephine i am sure you must have james added susan emphatically blanchard began smoking incredibly fast and the smoke of his pipe whirled up no longer autumnal but peopled with somersaulting elves of dicky doyle that seemed always to be peering out of his waistcoat pockets pulling snooks at him and crying hi bulbul when she loses the ring you can't conceive how scraggy you will find her i am sure you must have reiterated susan no i have not he muttered i do despise women i think they are part of the circumstances of man's life and no more it may be a failing on my part but i do not possess a single book written by a woman that means anything to me women have never said anything for me i think it is true that the life of women centres in continuation of the race what great women have there been women have never done anything that men have not done better oh how dreary cried susan you are really oh my james really good lord i am glad they have the vote he rejoined talking very fast susan laughed really james you are monstrous josephine who had suffered this conversation in weariness now broke in upon them on this occasion she said i agree with you james women are a poor and inferior lot i expect i shall despise men to-morrow to-night i feel that women never come to anything who are not married virginity is the curse of the times we ought all to be free in that matter and have as many children as we want it is our business quite i agree with you said blanchard smoking more furiously i agree with you you ought all to be free you ought to see to it i agree with you nobody ought to be without that unless they want everybody has a right to it a right to be free yes yes i agree with you most certainly marriage is suicide on the other hand oh i don't agree at all cried susan i hate promiscuity there are so few people one could bear to marry remarked josephine yes yes that's it ejaculated blanchard from a cloud of smoke quite you ought to be able to find somebody to live with unfortunately she answered there are fewer people still one could live with quite concluded the young man quite and a lugubrious silence settled down over the group end of part two chapter twelve recording by expatria in bangor maine